I'm John Gardiner, and you're listening to the Beginner's Guide to Model Railroading. Model railroading is fun, you just have to know how to do it. This episode, I'll give you an overview of the modeling scales. Railroaders, obviously, build models. The scale of a model describes how small that model is with respect to the real object upon which it is based. For example, a locomotive that is 48 times smaller than reality is built in 1 to 48, or 1 48th scale, and is denoted by the number 1, a colon, and the number 48. To find how long something would be in model form, Take the actual measurement of the object in question and divide it by the scale ratio. For example, if a boxcar was 60 feet long in real life, in 1 to 48 scale, it would be 60 divided by 48, or that works out to 1 and a quarter feet long. A hallmark of modeling is that every single object on a model railroad is the same scale, so that nothing looks over or undersized. However, there are more elaborate exceptions to that, which I will probably cover eventually. A variety of common modeling scales exist. As discussed below, they are referred to simply by their letter names, as defined by the National Model Railroad Association. Gauge, which is not to be confused with scale, is the distance between the rails on a given piece of track. Originally, before the Civil War, nearly all railroads had a different track gauge to prevent other railroads from stealing the use of their track. However, this made buying equipment difficult and expensive, as every standard piece of equipment had to be retooled for each new railroad it was sold to. Moreover, this made the transfer of long-distance cargo from one railroad to another incredibly expensive. Whereas a common track gauge merely required dropping off a car on a designated interchange track, Different track gauges required that the two railroads build a large, common freight house where cargo had to be taken out of one car and put into another. Gauge can be divided into three subcategories. Standard gauge, broad gauge, and narrow gauge. Standard gauge is defined as 4 feet 8 and 1 half inches between the rails and it is called standard because nearly every railroad in most major countries uses it. Supposedly, the distance was chosen because it was the distance between wheels on Roman chariots. Because the Romans built so many roads, and because so many chariots and wagons passed along those Roman roads, deep ruts were created of this width, and that made it impractical for wagons of any other gauge to travel along Roman roads. Fast-forwarding a few hundred years, when the first horse-drawn railroads were being built, the simplest way to make a rail car was simply to modify the wheels of a pre-existing carriage whose gauge was already, guess what, 4 feet 8 and 1 half inches. Hence, standard gauge was adopted. 
Broad gauge is when a railroad has a track gauge larger than standard gauge. In modeling any time period after 1860, broad gauge is usually of little note because very few railroads ever used it. Notable exceptions include international modeling, such as Russian gauge, and some trolley and light rail networks, such as the Pittsburgh Light Rail, which have a track gauge of a hair under 5 feet and 5 feet 2.5 inches, respectively. Narrow gauge is when a railroad uses a track gauge smaller than standard gauge. Much more common than broad gauge, narrow gauge was preferred by railroads for several reasons. First, narrow gauge railroads had locomotives and freight cars much smaller than mainline equivalents. Do an internet search for a comparison image is quite enlightening. As a result, they were much cheaper to build and maintain than full scale equipment, in part because they required fewer materials and smaller machines. Secondly, narrow gauge right of way, or the land owned by the railroad upon which the track sits, is much skinnier than standard gauge railroads, and the shorter length of narrow gauge equipment allowed them to negotiate sharper curves than standard gauge equipment. This was particularly preferred by railroads in mountainous terrain, where, in some cases, the right of way was literally being hewn out of a cliff face. The skinnier the right of way, the less money and effort needs to be put into it in order to make it. As a result, narrow gauge railroads were preferred for small, cheap, industrial mining or logging railways, and were often located in mountainous terrain. While the occasional narrow gauge railroad could be found in practically any state, they are most often associated with the following locales. Some smaller eastern coal and oil haulers in the Appalachian Mountains, small logging lines on the Pacific Coast, a very few and absolutely minuscule but adorable railroads in New England, a number of small mining operations in California, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico, and, most notably, nearly everything meaningful in the state of Colorado, so much so that three-foot gauge, the most common narrow gauge, is sometimes referred to as Colorado Standard Gauge. A special note should be made to the beginning modeler that modeling in gauges other than standard gauge is typically expensive and difficult, so it is usually best to avoid for beginner layouts. A notable exception to this, however, is ON30, discussed below, which is specifically designed to be cheap and easy. Now onto a discussion of the different modeling scales. The modeling scales officially recognized by the National Model Railroad Association are, from smallest to largest, Z, N, H, O, S, O, and G scales. Z scale is 1 to 220th scale, N scale is 1 to 160th, H, O scale is 1 to 87.1, S scale is 1 to 64, O scale is 1 to 48, and G scale is 1 to 22.5 or so. We'll get to that in a moment. To give you an idea of the size of each scale, here are some comparisons of actual track gauges. Z scale is about a quarter of an inch between the rails. N scale is about 11 32ths of an inch wide. HO scale is 5 eighths of an inch. S scale is 7 eighths. O scale is 1 and 3 sixteenths, and G scale track standard gauge is 1 and 3 quarters of an inch wide. Because the above may be confusing and unrepresentative of the sizes of each scale, here's the length of one stereotypical locomotive, 
the EMD F7 in various scales. If you want, you can pause the recording, grab a ruler, look up the picture of an F7 online, and measure along. An EMD F7 would be 2.7 inches long in Z scale, 3.75 inches long in N scale, about 7 inches long in HO scale, about 9.5 inches long in S scale, 12.5 inches long in O scale, and a whopping 26.7 inches long in G scale. An easy way to think about some of the more popular scale relations is that N scale is about half of HO scale, HO scale is about half of O scale, and O scale is about half the size of G scale. Now I'll give you a short description of each scale to help you decide which scale is best suited to your interests. G scale, originally garden scale, was invented by German company LGB in the late 1960s. LGB, which is still around today, stands for Lehmann Großbahn, which translates to Lehmann's Big Trains. G scale trains are known for being huge and robust. As a result, most layouts are set up, obviously, in the garden, on the patio, or elsewhere in the backyard. Being at ground level and so spread out, G-Scale is not ideally suited to operations, though it has been done. Rather, its finesse lies in watching trains travel across dramatic, beautiful landscapes through a variety of routes or features. An additional draw of G-Scale is that it, by necessity, involves gardening and landscaping, which is often enjoyed by the rest of the family in addition to playing with trains. A side note on G-Scale is that it actually uses the same track gauge of 1 and 3 quarter inches to represent two actual scales. G-Scale, or 1 to 22.5 scale, uses that 1 and 3 quarter inch track gauge to represent standard gauge models. So basically, it is a normal railroad that is scaled down to 22.5 scale. However, there is something else called F-Scale, which uses the same track gauge, but scales up the models such that that real-world track gauge actually represents 3-foot narrow gauge for the models. F-Scale, however, is generally well outside the realm of beginnerhood, and so that is where my discussion of it for now shall end. O-Scale is generally regarded as the scale that built model railroading. As you may recall from our last episode, from the 1910s to the late 1960s, Lionel brand O-Scale train sets were the most popular toy in America. Initially, toy trains were built in larger scales, such as Standard Gauge or Gauge 1, by a variety of companies, including American Flyer, Ives Manufacturing, and Lionel Electric Trains. However, the Great Depression increased the demand for smaller, cheaper trains, and one of Lionel's formerly secondary scales, which had a track gauge similar to modern O-scale, fit the bill for what consumers were looking for, and Lionel's half-century market monopoly took off from there. To simplify reversing wiring for young children, Lionel added a third rail in the center that carries one polarity, while the outer two rails carry another. Today, most modeling in O-scale is still done with three rails. While there are many more realistic two-rail O-scale layouts, they are mostly done by intermediate and advanced level modelers. Of the side of O-scale that is accessible to the beginner, basically three-rail O-scale, there are two camps. One group builds what are called toy train layouts. This faction builds toy-like layouts that primarily involve running multiple trains around continuous circuits on a layout that resembles a retro display layout. 
Often, this is coupled with collecting and restoring old equipment, and layouts usually have many motorized features. As noted on Wikipedia, the traditional toy train layout in O-Scale, quote, makes little, if any, effort at being realistic. A growing faction is that of the high railers, who strike an intermediate degree of realism between toy train layouts and the realistic modeling of other scales. High railers try to build realistic, operation-oriented model railroads, but live with the fact that it is much easier to build and equip a model railroad with these slightly less-than-realistic toy products that use three rails or that come slightly out of scale, such as die-cast cars. The name comes from the fact that toy train products have unrealistically high rails. If you wish to know more about this approach to modeling, I highly recommend the Wikipedia article entitled High Rail. S-scale is very similar to O-scale, in that it was also originally a toy train scale in the mid-20th century, but this time it was supplied by the company American Flyer. In modern times, S-scale toy trains have fallen into disuse, and the scale is primarily represented by vintage collections and intermediate to advanced level layouts. However, Lionel, which has since acquired the property of American Flyer, plans on reviving the toy train aspect soon. Similarly to O-Scale as well, there is a distinction between toy train collectors and high railers. However, the lack of currently produced S-Scale toy trains pushes most to become fully-blown S-Scale modelers. HO-Scale was originally named because it is about half of O-Scale, and this is by far the most popular modeling scale today, with some estimates giving it an 87% market dominance. As a result of the efforts of the Bing Company of Nuremberg, Germany, HO-scale model trains first appeared in 1922 and were originally described as H-naught-scale, because it was then half of the then-popular naught-scale, or zero-scale to us Americans. O-scale still held market dominance until the 1950s, when interest in model trains as toys began to wane. At this point, to keep up with the shifting market demographic, model manufacturers moved their efforts to making realism-oriented models in smaller scales, which, contrary to what could be achieved with larger toy trains, allowed for a more realistic, less restricted layout. Some manufacturers of O-scale rediscovered the old H-naught scale and tweaked it to contemporary standards. As part of that, the scale was resized slightly, and this left it about half of O-scale. Hence, H-naught became H-O. In the 1960s, HO scale began to overtake O scale in popularity, and even stalwarts of other scales like Lionel and American Flyer diversified to manufacture in HO scale. Hence, HO scale became the most prominent scale of model railroading. HO scale is preferred among modelers for a number of reasons. When choosing a scale, there is a trade-off between having big trains and fitting a lot of railroad into a small space. HO scale is considered the Goldilocks scale, because it is small enough that you can turn around in a 3-foot diameter circle in a pinch, but locomotives are still large enough that you can appreciate their size and detail and imagine that you're standing right next to them without too much difficulty. Additionally, when manufacturing model trains, there are two cost curves going in opposite directions. First, as the trains get bigger, more materials must obviously be used for their construction, thereby making them more expensive. But on the other hand, as trains get smaller, more money is spent on smaller and more technologically advanced mechanisms in order to fit in the now smaller space. As a result, N and HO scales, which reside at the approximate middle of this cost spectrum, are cheaper than other scales by a small margin. Then there's N scale, originally called in the 1970s triple-knot scale, for, for some reason that I don't know yet. 
Although miniatures in scales similar to N existed as early as the 1920s, modern N-scale models first came onto the scene in 1962 as a result of the Arnold Company, also of Nuremberg. At this rate, Germany seems to be like an excellent place to grow up as a child. Unlike other scales which came earlier, a set of universal standards for production of N-scale trains arrived within two years of its inception. While this did temporarily lock N-scale into inferior technologies, such as with terrible-looking toy train couplers, this helped N-scale to get off the ground fairly quickly, and it soon developed a large worldwide following. As of today, N-scale is second in popularity only to HO, and is more popular in countries like Japan, where space is more limited. N-scale is ideal for building large or visually expansive segments of prototype railroads, and is about as small as you can go before operations become impractical. The original concerns of unrealistic couplers or detail parts for manufacturing resolution have been completely resolved with advanced technology, and it is now very difficult to tell a photograph of an N-scale layout apart from a layout of any other scale, so the small size should not be a source of trepidation. Z-scale, the smallest of the modeling scales, is an invention of the German company Merklin from the 1970s. As time goes on, mechanisms and details have improved, so Z-scale has become more mainstream. A significant advantage of Z-scale is its sheer minusculeness. Because absolutely everything is smaller, you can fit more layout into any given space. Small towns become skyscraper farms, freight trains can achieve prototypically long lengths, large buildings can be modeled without compression, and a yard goes from having a throughput of several dozen freight cars per session to a hundred or more, like on modern prototypes. However, this does come with a trade-off. Because freight cars are so small, freight car numbers are hard to read, and cars are difficult to uncouple. These two features are very important in operating a model railroad, and their absence makes operations on Z-scale layouts difficult to successfully pull off. As a result, Z-scale is best suited to roundy-round train empires and long-haul railroad prototype modeling. If your interest is in switching, look elsewhere. ON 2.5 scale is very recent to the stage. While I have heretofore avoided discussions of narrow-gauge modeling due to the impracticality for beginners, ON 2.5, which is O-scale 2.5-foot narrow-gauge, is a very special exception. Because 2.5 feet is also 30 inches, ON 2.5 is more simply called ON 30. However, this is not to be confused with ON 3, which is 3 feet between the rails. ON30 became mainstream in 1998 when Bachmann figured out that HO scale track is 2.5 foot gauge in O scale, and that doesn't look too much unlike either 2 foot gauge or 3 foot gauge, which were two of the more common narrow gauges. This realization meant that, if the modeler was willing to fudge the extra 6 inches in either direction, or model one of the more rare 2.5 foot gauge prototypes, the manufacturer, originally Bachmann, could use the significantly cheaper and pre-existing HO scale mechanisms and electronics in formerly expensive O scale products. This has resulted in a beautiful line of ready-to-run products in ON30 scale, and has significantly decreased the amount of money and effort the beginner must put into modeling both O-scale and narrow-gauge. The benefits of modeling in ON30 are numerous. In addition to being cheaper than standard-gauge O-scale equipment, the use of HO-scale mechanisms means that ON30 track, while in O-scale, takes up only about as much space as HO-scale track. This allows you to easily model a larger scale in a very confined space. Moreover, smaller narrow-gauge railroads often have a very down-to-earth, homey, or quaint feeling about them, which is often something that is extremely desirable and rewarding to model. 
The only trade-off is that there were relatively few 30-inch gauge prototypes in the United States, so prototype modelers, again, would either need to fudge it like the high railers or settle with one of those few prototypes. ON30 is now regarded as the fastest-growing segment of the model railroading market in the United States, and its ease of attaining good-looking, ready-to-run models offers a very unique take on beginner modeling. If you decide to investigate ON30 for your first model railroad, you should keep in mind that it is very different from the typical model railroad. Narrow-gauge railroads often had Spartan facilities, small locomotives, slow trains, and less freight traffic than typical mainline railroads. In some cases, they were even entirely unconnected to the outside world. The most notable difference, however, is a dramatic reduction in size, if not complete ablation, of yards. Similarly to most railroads predating 1880, small narrow-gauge railroads seldom ever had these central sorting points, and this gives operations on these lines a unique operational flair. While different from standard gauge modeling, the shorter trains, tighter curves, quaintness of modeling subject, and beauty of the larger scale are significant benefits to modeling that should not be overlooked. If you'd like my personal recommendation, several scales are better suited to beginner model railroading based on your interests. Listen up for your interests, and I will give you a set of scales to investigate. If you are solely interested in roundy-round train running, with elaborate circles and no operations, such as for a display layout, you can get away with any scale, but O-scale 3-rail, G-scale, and Z-scale are particularly well-suited for this. If you are interested in, or expect to get into operations, HO-scale, N-scale, and ON30 are the best starting scales for you. If you like the idea of toy trains, but in a more realistic setting open to operations, then investigate O-scale 3-rail, G-scale, S-scale, and, to a lesser extent, HO-scale. If your primary interest is in building models, then HO, N, and ON30 should be on your radar. If you have the space, enjoy gardening, and desire to run trains through beautiful scenery, then look into G-scale. If you like big mainline railroads with long trains and powerful locomotives, Z, N, and HO scales are your best bet. If, like me, you prefer smaller, quaint, homely railroads or branch lines, HO and ON30 help to cultivate that feeling by being less toy-like but still drawing you into a scene due to their size. Diesel locomotives are best represented in N and HO, whereas steam locomotives are found mostly in HO and ON30, and to a lesser extent in O scale. If you want to build a narrow-gauge railroad, ON30 is the best bet for the beginner modeler. For those interested, I originally started in HO scale, and am currently modeling in ON30. If you haven't already noticed a trend here, when in doubt, stick to N and HO scales, and, if your interest is piqued, ON30. N and HO make up the majority of the hobby, so they are best represented in terms of models and equipment, which will make your life a lot easier down the road when, for example, buying locomotives, rolling stock, or kits. If you haven't affirmatively chosen a scale yet, I would like to suggest you go down to the local hobby shop and look at their selection of models and solicit the owner's advice. Keep in mind your choice of scale for your first layout does not need to influence the rest of your hobby. If you find that the scale your first layout is in did not suit your desires, feel free to sell your layout and supplies and move to your scale of interest. Whether or not you have chosen a scale, I recommend you go down to your local hobby shop and ask the owner about local clubs, open house circuits, and operating groups. Fire out a few emails explaining your position and go and visit a few layouts in the area of varying scales. 
Hopefully, this should not only edify you as to the nature of each scale, but also open up your horizons as to what is being done in the hobby. Most importantly, getting in touch with the local community should help you to start establishing a support group that can offer you advice and help you construct your layout later on down the road. This is one of the most pivotally important things that you can do to benefit your hobby. If you have a question or comment, please email me at bgtmring at gmail.com or visit our new website at bgtmring.org. If you like the show, please give us a good review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast feed. If you did not like the show, do not say anything and contemplate the thought crime that you have committed. And finally, I would like to thank this podcast's very first patron, a Mr. R. L. Jenkins, an experienced modeler who said that he donated to the podcast in order to help beginners better understand this marvelous hobby. Thank you very much, R. L. Jenkins. Happy modeling. And now, your reward for listening through my episodic spiel, your modeler's vocabulary word for this episode is glass car. Noun. A passenger car. Thank you very much for listening, and happy modeling.